Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I need a haircut. I need a haircut. Um, hello. Um, <laughs> welcome. Uh, first... I have a quick little thing that I want to talk about. And then, Russ, you might have something, too, because Russ always has something to say, which is great. Um, but here's my, my little thing to say. Um, texting of a teacher of my son's, because, you know, he's missed a lot of school. He's got medical issues. So I'm going back and forth on how we can fix, you know, how he can make up stuff and stuff like that. And this is, and she texted me last yesterday during the trade, or two days ago, during the trade deadline. And I was just, like, it was, like, 2.30. Things were nuts. I was, like, I was like I'm right in the middle of the trade deadline. Um Please, and she didn't really know what that meant because why would she? She doesn't know what I do necessarily. So she's like, trade deadline. I'm like, oh, I'm a hockey writer and hockey trade deadline and whatever. You know, we'll talk later. She's like, no problem. She's like, um, and then she then she like and then like five minutes later, she's like, um, just give me a time uh, when you want to talk later. And I'm like, so I just t- I type back one sec, and um, but that autocorrects to one sex, which stays there for a day. <laughs> She didn't respond to that at all after I say that. And I'm like, so I, I, wanna, I have thing, my thing with Apple is this. Like, why, why, why in the world would you autocorrect sec to sex? Explain this to me. Like, what's, what's the better? Because sec is an abbreviation for seconds. And they're looking for a three-letter word that starts. You're right. You're right. Oh, but yeah, so, yeah, this should yeah. be acceptable. This is a, a very su- acceptable text messaging thing. Like this should be like somehow it doesn't take a lot of code to write SEC as a word right. into, the, into the dictionary. Well, so, uh, I'll, give you yeah. a, I'll give you a comparative to that one. Act. Um, the fact that like I was um, going to write something about the winners and losers of the trade deadline mm-hmm. and was texting it in my phone and it came out winners and lovers. <laughs> I've done that. That's what happened with me. See, I, don't, I type it in. I don't use voice activated. No, it, I don't do it. No, not voice activating. It's, it's not it's not even yeah. that. It's like if it, 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 it what, what it does is I typed in losers oh, and it yeah. converted it, it to lovers. I know I've had mine convert to something when you post online and you see it. Yeah. I've it's had annoying that. as hell. It's all hell. And it, it's embarrassing as all hell. So yeah, I got really small funny. things. I wrote Fiala. I wrote Fiala was going because Fiala had like a hat trick, right? And I wrote Fiala, yeah. and my thing wouldn't accept Fiala because it's not a word. Um, and it kept, but it kept autocorrecting Fiala to goals, which is really hilarious because he was going a hat trick. Fiala does autocorrect to goals, like if, if you might try it on your phones, but it's like interesting because the, the letters are all basically around the same spot. Right. Fiala. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's um, A L A for Fiala, and it's A L S for goals. Right. 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 And you look at the S is right next to the A. F is next to a G. Yeah, so it's like it's easy for go to and, and you know. I and O or I and O or Yeah. So okay, go ahead, Russ. Right. So two, right. two small things while like, I was yeah, like perfectly goals. Go ahead, Russ. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was working on an article for my website on who might win the um, MVP award this year in Major League Baseball, American or National League. Um, you know, I started looking it up, and in in the National League. Uh, you know, pitchers don't generally win. Like Bob Gibson won in 68. It took all the way till Kershaw till 2014 to win it. But I was like, there was a great relief pitcher one year. 
that I thought would have won it. And his name was Mike Marshall. And, and so I looked up Marshall and I was 11 when he pitched, he, um, he actually pitched 208 innings in relief. He, he pitched in 102 games, 102. And he actually closed out 83 of them. Wow. He had 15 wins and 21 saves. And so I looked at it and I'm like, who won the MVP that year? Same team, Steve Garvey. And I'm like, you know, Mike Marshall should have won the MVP. There is no quite, you can't tell me this guy wasn't more valuable than Steve Garvey based on everything he was doing to keep that pitching staff together. But I just thought it was interesting. And this is the this is the era of the two to three inning reliever, not yeah. one coming in in the ninth inning. Well, clearly uh, two, right? Because he pitched 100, 102 games. Yeah. Which is nuts. The other dumb thing for Major League Baseball is now they're, they're in the minor leagues. They're going to test moving the mound back 12 inches. I want to tell you there's a reason that the mound is 60 feet, 6 inches. You know, it's not like just some dumb guy woke up one day and said, hey, you know, I'm just going to make up these measurements for a baseball field, and that's that. It, 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 there's a reason it's been the way it is for over 100 years. There is a reason. And, yeah. and now you're going to F with that by moving it back 12 inches because you want more offense. What I don't understand about this sport, and again, I don't care about younger viewers anymore. You're not getting them. If you want to get better offense in this sport, it is going to just have to come naturally. You can't do it. You can't contrive it. It doesn't work. Does Does Rob Manfred realize that all these pitchers have been trained on a mound at a certain height at a certain distance? You know, and I'm not saying this out of spite to relievers or starters because I, I, I don't want to see this happen, but I hope they change this distance and move it back 12, in, 12 inches and then – you have about you have a rash of Tommy John surgeries because right. they have thrown them thrown their their arms out of their sockets. The stupidest I mean, thing I ever heard about that. I mean, for them, I mean, for them to think about moving that, that's so. God, they're gonna they're gonna test it in certain places in the minor leagues, and it's just yeah. like Mike said, you've trained your whole life like this on a mound like this, and now you're gonna change it just like midstream. You're not gonna change it on any level. And you're just going to, hey, let's just try it out, see if it creates more offense. Like, you don't do this with games. I get that the NHL also messed around with things. They had that little camp to do it. That's fine. That's in a controlled little thing. They're not doing yeah. it in a league where you're trying to develop. That's a whole different thing. I never thought I'd say it, Russ, but bring back Bud Selig. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to try right. this mode instead if it, the other way, if this is not cutting out. Tell me this. Okay. If this cuts out, we know it's my internet, Mike. But we'll see. All right. Let me know because I'm sorry about the cutting in and out thing. All right. So okay, here we go. Ready? Um, the 14th, right? Yep, sure. Um, the hockey world is Wednesday, April 14th, 2021. That sounded so convincing. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. I'm on a show where the date is optional. We <laughs> <laughs> were you're living in a world where the date is optional. And I'm Eckledge. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast at HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast comes every Monday through Friday, or whatever those are, um, to fill you in the comings and goings in the hockey world. They're the five days that most people decide to work, I guess. Um, but anyway, we're a seven-day-a-week seven day uh, sport. And um, we today I wanted to get into something different because I'm, I'm doing my projected final standings. I'm doing it differently this year. I'm not going to put it up every single day. I, I have some ideas and some concepts on things. Um, and I'm really going deeper into experimenting with it. 
um, than ever before since this is such a short season the rest of the way. But in doing that, I, I, you know, I have all these factors I throw in. So I wanted to, I've got some really interesting factors that are kind of bizarre in the Northern Division that you might not know, or some of you might know them, but you know, they're, they're kind of surprising. Um, and first I'm going to start off with, with what the projected final standings would be in this division, which is, which is interesting because, you know, obviously Toronto is going to win this division and that's not, that's not, that's not a hard job, but I've got finished with 77 points. Um, and that's, you know, so they'll get, that's like getting 17 points against the rest of the way, something somewhere in there. Um, yeah, they get 77 points. And uh, so second place, it, it is a battle, you know, like second place we've talked about Winnipeg and Edmonton, Winnipeg, Edmonton. Right now, Winnipeg's up by one point. Um, they play the same amount of games. It's really quite a race. Um, actually, the way it works out in my projected that they will win by, um, yeah, they'll win by one point. So it'll be end up the same. So they'll win. They'll have 68 points to Edmonton, 67. Then Montreal, 62. Um, and then Calgary and Vancouver. Calgary and Vancouver, right? 55, no, 56 and 55. So that's five points less. So five, Calgary misses by five points, right? So you're thinking to yourself, how can Calgary possibly make the playoffs? How can Vancouver possibly make the playoffs? Um, I'll get to that. There are ways. And, you know, I'm, and these, aren't, these aren't likely ways, but I just want to paint the scenario for everybody how they could do it because based on who they're playing. Um, but um, I think those, those, aren't, those aren't surprising to anybody, right? That, that's basically how we all think it's going to play out. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think so. I think so too. Um, so, but here's some. So let's get to some interesting statistics um, in this in this thing. So we look at bank. Look at Vancouver for a second. Okay. Um, Vancouver. You know they have a lot of games left. Obviously, they've got five against Edmonton. Okay. Five. So they've got five games left against Edmonton, which is kind of crazy. They've got four games left against Toronto. Um, four games left against Calgary, and four games left against Ottawa. So they're they're playing a bunch of games, right? But the interesting thing is their goal differential. Okay, if you take out they're they're plus fifteen this year against Ottawa. Okay, they are so the goal differential plus fifteen against Ottawa. So their their goal differential in the league actually right now is what like a minus twenty something right here. Um, this is what I thought was cool. They're plus they're 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 plus fifteen against Ottawa. They are minus fifteen against one of the other teams in the division. Goal differential. So that's a so can you guess who that would be? I mean, it's just kind of crazy. I mean, I'm sure Vancouver fans know, um, but they are minus 15 against the Montreal Canadiens. The Canucks have been killed by the Montreal Canadiens. Like they, they've absolutely destroyed them. The good news for them is they don't play the Canadiens again this year. Yeah, I think it would be because of the physical nature that the Canadiens so? play. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was my, Vancouver doesn't play physical at all. Yeah, but it was mostly on. Remember that happened mostly in the first couple of weeks of the season when they played Vancouver like five times. And Vancouver got off to a bad start, and Montreal was hotter than uh, you know uh, a barbecue. Yeah. So it's true, uh, Vancouver, and that is a really good point, Mike, because that is how Vancouver can make the playoffs. Because this is the deal with them. Um, they are their games against. I mean, they're playing Calgary. Like I said, um, how many times is it? Four times. Yep. Vancouver, here we go. Vancouver, they play Edmonton five times, Toronto four times. Okay, Calgary four times. The thing about Toronto's games, they played five times so far, because remember teams in the North play nine or ten times, depending on where you are. Right. Um, so the thing about that that's really interesting with, with them um, playing Toronto is they have, they've won, they've won, so far they've played six, no, they played, they've won three of the, yeah, no, they've won, they've won the last three games against Toronto. Yeah. 
right? They won the last three games. So, and against Calgary, or no, against Edmonton, I mean, they've won two of the last three and lost the other in overtime. So there's. Well, I, 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 I hate to th- I hate to throw this all, all this statistical yeah. analysis out, but when it comes to Vancouver, I think overriding the statistics is the post-COVID situation. Right. We don't even know what they're they're, they're not – I'm sorry. Buffalo was devastated by the post-COVID. New Jersey for a time was as well. Dallas got off to a quick start. Then they slumped. I'm sorry. I don't care what the stats say. Vancouver is going to struggle coming back. Yeah, we don't. We don't even know if they're playing Friday. They say they are, and they haven't played in a long time. I'm, I mean, well, of course we don't know. And you know, and yeah, statistics are what they are. You know, but yeah. also the thing that you can look at here is the benefit of playing Toronto and Edmonton, who are two of the top teams in the division, that many times. Is there's a good chance Toronto and Edmonton won't care about a lot of those games, and you know, and and I think that that could also play into it. Like Toronto and Edmonton are going to be in. Right, so they're going to be, especially Toronto. They're yeah, not going to worry about this game. But Toronto has got something to play for, even though, you know, not, not to say they're home and cooled out in the North because right now they're up by seven points. They're playing Winnipeg four more times, so you know there's still there's still a chance that they could finish in second. Remember, the playoff seeding is based on best record. So especially yeah. when you go to a semifinal. Yeah. If you have the yes. best record in the league, you're going to play the team with the fourth best record. If you have, if you're the president's trophy winner, the last thing the Leafs want to do is have to go through Tampa and then somebody else. So right now, as it plays out, the, the um, I haven't done the I've done only two of these divisions. Okay, so I've done I've done the East and I've done the North. Um, they would they, they like I said, Toronto finishes with 77 points atop the wow. Eastern atop the Eastern division would be Washington with 79. Okay, so. They are, they are like, they are like you say, Mike. They do have something to play for there. There's two. They would follow two points behind the Capitals, um, and then I have. It's basically, it's almost a dead heat because the cap, the Islanders are also 79 points. They would just lose out on tiebreakers. Like Washington and the Islanders are, are both gearing towards basically the same number. Um, so that is really kind of, I, I think, kind of interesting. But we'll, we'll get more to that later. Um, now there's there's some real anomalies which are fun. Like so, let's talk about the Maple Leafs for a second. The Maple Leafs have, um, you know, they've got a really solid. Um, goal differential against obviously they're one of the best goal differentials in the league, um, and like and I guess it's not hard for you, to get Mike, to guess who they've scored the who they have the largest goal differential differential against because you've made it you've made it known to me plenty of times who Toronto has the largest goal differential against. Yeah, uh, probably the Civ Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> right, they're they're plus eleven on the season against the Oilers. Yeah. Um. So against Winnipeg, you say they have a bunch of games against them. They're only a plus two against Winnipeg the re- so far this year. Yeah, Toronto- Winnipeg's a team. Yeah, when I've when I've looked at this, I realize that a lot of teams, even though Toronto, what I see from this, these statistics is Toronto has found ways to win a lot of games. Like there are there are a lot of tight games in here. Um, they have a much better record than than these differentials would, would play out. You know, like um, plus three against Montreal, which is tighter than I thought it would be. You know, um, plus four against plus four against Calgary. Sorry about the dog. Um, and jeez. Uh, and then and a, and a plus seven against Vancouver, and only a plus eight against Ottawa. So they are or no, only a plus four against Ottawa. Sorry, a plus four against Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa has battled them tough. Yeah, Ottawa has. Ottawa actually has. Ottawa actually has an average of um. So one of the things I did did with this was how many points you get on an average when you play a team, because mm-hmm. of this three point system that's really important. You know, Ottawa has averaged 0.88 points against Toronto every game. So that's something that they're almost you know that means like basically they're getting a lot of one point losses or things like that. So. Um, yeah, that to me is really is kind of is kind of cool. Where Toronto against Ottawa has averaged 
uh, one point, only 1.2 points per game. So you're not looking at like a big, you know, you're looking at like they're not getting two points all the time either. So yeah, Toronto has an, they're, they're, those are some interesting facts, I thought, for the Maple Leafs. Um, the Edmonton-Winnipeg battle, how do you guys think that's going to play out? That's like a, That to me is a really interesting one. It's, it's very tight. Obviously, I, it's really tight. I think Winnipeg will, will prevail because of the goaltending. That's what I think. Oh, uh, yeah. The, yeah, you know, I mean, the goaltending is there. Um, Winnipeg has their, you know, Winnipeg's schedule is pretty beneficial to them, although Calgary actually has the best. Calgary has the most beneficial schedule of any team in that, in that division, which is another reason they have a shot. The big thing with Calgary and Montreal for Calgary to catch Montreal, Calgary plays Montreal five times. There's still five times left. So even though they're not going to catch Montreal, though, yeah. I don't think they're going to catch Montreal either. But they so far in the four games they they played against Montreal are three and one. So they've won they've won three out of four. If they continue that kind of trend, they well, maybe they win four out of five. They're still not going to catch Montreal. The other things have to happen, but but they have to keep Montreal getting any points in those games they, they, those are like calgary winning calgary beating you know i mean calgary beating Montreal on regulation is the key that's the okay i'm gonna i'm gonna bring up something to you act that that the bruins did last night that a team like montreal will do if a game is close and it is in the third period and it's within like 11 minutes to go in the game they are going to ride it out to overtime to get a point and that suffocates the competition it does it, it, it we're seeing that already i mean it's amazing like when you look at this it, when, when I see how many points per game teams have against other teams, it's amazing how, like, you know, even the, even teams that are getting beaten up by the other team are get, still, like, at, like, 0. 0.7 points per game type thing. You know, it's kind of crazy. Like, there's nothing – it's strange. And you're right, and it's all because of the three-point game, which is such a mess this year, I think. I think I think this is the year. This would have been the year to try out a three points for a regulation win. It would have been amazing. I think this would have been the year for that. I don't, I don't know if you could do that, though, because you're playing – you're only playing in your division, so then – it really would skew it, I think. I don't think this would be the year to do it, actually. Well, and that's why the NHL doesn't do it. The NHL doesn't do it for those reasons you're saying. I mean, they don't. They they want to keep it close, so they're trying yeah. to keep it close. And, they do and want to keep it close. It is artificial, you know. It is definitely artificially kept close because you know um, it's just kind of nuts. As for the uh, the Winnipeg Edmonton race, North, mm-hmm. um, I give Winnipeg the advantage. The only thing I would put as a caveat is if Wheelers. Uh, difficulty if he's I mean I haven't heard anything other than he had a concussion and he was going to be out indefinitely and you know he could be back next week or he could be back next game for all I know I'm just saying if it's a long term situation then that puts a crimp in Winnipeg's advantage over when they match up I think Winnipeg handles Edmonton fairly well well, very well I can tell you exactly what they do against him so so far, actually, like so, actually, no, I might be wrong about that. Winnipeg against Ed- no, Edmonton actually has handled Winnipeg very well um, this year. Um, when there, it's only a plus two goal differential, but Edmonton's getting one point three three points per game, or Winnipeg's getting 0.67. So that's definitely the so Montreal's definitely. I mean, Edmonton's getting more points, which means they're getting more wins, obviously. But they're they're definitely Edmonton has handled Winnipeg very well. Wait, but who who did you say was getting more wins? Edmonton's getting more wins against Winnipeg. Okay. Yeah, the, uh, so they don't they play each other twice more, you know. So they still have some more times. Um, I have something that I'm gonna, I'm gonna Mike. This you're gonna like this because you know you think I always love Edmonton. I'm gonna give you a real big shot at Edmonton right now. Um, that, that is a problem for sure. Their goal differential is plus fourteen in the NHL. The goal differential against the Ottawa Senators is plus twenty three. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> and that is I, mean, I know for sure. They- 
They've dined out on them. They have absolutely dined out on them. And they uh, they don't play them any more times, and they won all nine. So they won all nine. It's like, and that's the thing. So they're they're nine and zero, straight up nine and zero. Like not, you know, it's yeah. just yeah. They a plus twenty three goal differential against another team in the NHL is is insane. I mean, that's like an insane number. I mean, if you take that out of the situation here, they're a minus nine goal differential against the rest of the league. Yeah, they suck. They, I mean, seriously, it's like, and it's a it's a statement on yeah. that that they've got two of the best players in the league, and they had to go nine and zero against Ottawa to be. You know, and, and to put to put a, a at least a decent point um, amount up, it you know that's eighteen of their fifty-two points. I won't say they suck, but what I'll say is when the rubber meets the road, and these playoffs are going to be different, it's going to be different for them. They're not going to have any easy games like they've had in the regular season. None. No, for sure. For and, sure. And it's going to be very interesting to see where they get their offense from when in a playoff scenario, and I'm going to use the word target in, in a sort of non-predatory uh, uh, way, but they're, but other teams are going to target McDavid and Dreisaitl. I meaning oh, yeah. every chance they get to rub them into the boards, they're going to do it. There's they're no question. Them. That's going to – I mean, they have to – I mean, the thing is this, it's hockey, right? So you just make the playoffs and then everything everything is what it is, right? So, I mean, you can sit there and they haven't had a very good season beyond the Ottawa Senators, you know, that you can sit there and say. But but the problem is you put them into a playoff series and who knows? I mean, they are a really tough team in a playoff series, I think. Um, and yes, you can perhaps match those guys. And that is why they should have gone out and gotten like a Taylor Hall. I thought Taylor Hall would have been a perfect pickup for them to give them something else. Um, but, you know, they didn't. And they, I, I do think, I really think Holland you know, messed up in this trade deadline. No, I, I agree with you on this act because if you look at it, you know who their two highest scorers are. Then Tyson Barry is their next highest scorer. And so Nugent Hopkins is their third best scorer. He's got 28 points. The two highest scores are in the sixties. Yeah. You're not going very far in the playoffs with that. And I wouldn't be surprised Russ if, 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 Nugent Hopkins got a majority of those points when they put them all together on the same yeah. line or on yeah. the power. Well, so then if you go with that, Darnell Nurse is the next guy with 28, and then Kaylor Yamamoto has 18. They literally, we talk about the Bruins, and you know they're only a one-line team, and it's you know partially true because they do get scoring from Richie and a few other guys. This yeah. is a one-line team, legitimately. Yeah, no, there's no question about and it. Not I mean, even a one-line team, a two-player team. It's a two-player team, really. With some yeah. with some offensive defensemen sprinkled in, yeah. No, I, I mean, there's no question about it. There's no question about that. I, and and there are some. That's a real. I thought that that was staggering. I knew they'd beat up on Ottawa, but I didn't realize how much they beat up on Ottawa. Oh, yes. Goal differentials. I mean, and, I didn't know it was to that degree. I knew they were beating up on them, though. Yeah, yeah. So that's like, that is a crazy. Now against against um, you know the, the Maple Leafs this year, Edmonton has been, you know, they went they've gone they gone they went three five and one. Uh, they're minus eleven. So. That's their biggest minus because beyond the two teams that you know, it, they're very. It's very interesting. The, the Maple Leafs minus eleven, the Canadians minus eight, and then Calgary, Vancouver, Winnipeg. They have plus goal differences again. So it's like obviously the two, uh, the two east, the eastern teams. Besides Ottawa, they beat up on the other two eastern teams. Are beating up on them. And here, so it's, here's it's, the it's, other thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, continue. The Go other ahead. stat I would like to see, but we're not going to know today, is what is Mike Smith against anybody but Ottawa because like yeah. Koskinen is the clear second in this and Smith has got a nine yeah you can probably look it up on ESPN that's true he's, he's got a nine eighteen percentage yeah. 
same percentage, and he's 14 and four. But what percentage of that is against Ottawa? Yeah, I know. I'll give you the answer in one minute. Here. Okay. Because really that's going to tell you where they stand against everybody else. Because, again, they're riding Mike Smith. You can't ride right. Mike Smith for, for that many rounds. No, you can't. You can't. There's no question about it. I agree with you. And Mike I think Smith that that's- has proven that to, to everybody. Okay, okay. Here you go. Um, okay. Mike, Smith, Mike Smith was 4-0 with a 1.25 goals against against Ottawa. There you go. Okay. So now he's ten and four, and you said a one point two, and he's and he's at about what's the save percentage? Uh, against them was nine fifty seven. Nine fifty seven. So that definitely contributed to him being a nine eighteen. So you know, Mike Smith's probably like a nine ten, nine oh seven save percentage on the year. Otherwise, yeah, and right. against against uh, let's see, against Toronto and Winnipeg, he has less than a nine hundred save percentage. Yeah. A losing record against Toronto and a two and zero record against Winnipeg. That's uh, that's really what you're looking at with Edmonton in the playoffs, honestly. Yeah, I mean, so it's really interesting. That now I haven't finished sixty seven points, right? Um, they play Vancouver five more times. They play Montreal four more times. So Montreal, as like I said, is giving them trouble. Uh, Vancouver, so far they actually have played pretty well against. Um, but say they don't play well against Vancouver. Like say, say they for some reason, you know, those five games were to lose those five games. I'm not saying they will, but if I put that in, their point totals come down to sixty, and they are in fourth place, and they're seriously battling. You know, so th- I mean, they if you assume they're going to get some points out of Vancouver, but I'm just saying that you know they have to really the, the, the five times against Vancouver is is is, is huge. Um, and the only and the four times against Montreal is is just you know they've played Montreal so terribly, really, really bad. So that, that's going to be, you know, that, that, so a lot depends on, there's still like, there's still, Edmonton's still in a precarious spot, more precarious than people realize. I know like you realized this all along, but I'm just saying that this is something <laughs> that I thought was kind of a, kind of more, interesting, one of the more interesting factors. Um, some of the, some of the best stuff I found on here, like um, I really think that the whole, um, so Vancouver has also beaten up on Ottawa. Okay, so the, Ottawa has two teams. Ottawa's goal differential, you know, is not is not that bad. I mean, when you take out when you take out Ottawa, when you take out <laughs> Edmonton and Vancouver, like those are the two. Here's the Ottawa Senators in a thumbnail sketch. They play tough against Montreal. They play tough against Toronto, and they suck against the rest of the uh, of the uh, Northern Division. Actually, it's, no. yeah. yeah. There's one team that they play really well against too, and I'll tell you, I'll give you the exact thing right now. But it was this surprised me, and I know that they, there's one more team though that they play well against this year at least, and that team, the record in those those games are they're five and two against the Calgary Flames, five and two, which is something, you know. I mean, so that's like, and that that's the, you know the the Kachuk battle, you know, like to me that's like that's about the Kachuks, right? So they're five and two against Calgary, um, but yeah, that's something they are. They're interesting against, like you know, against Montreal. They've got a winning record. Um, yeah. So Winnipeg and Winnipeg's not that bad. Like they're 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 pretty close in Winnipeg. Yeah. Uh, well, there's uh, there's been some news over the last half hour that we should uh, mention. Yeah, we can get into that. I just wanted to get into some of those numbers. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, we'll see how it plays out. So the uh, Sabers released what I think we were all expecting. Uh, Jack Eichel has a herniated disc in his neck, and he is being shut down for the rest of the regular season. He's going to have surgery uh, in anticipation of him being back for training camp. The question is, what training camp? 
whether it'll be in Buffalo or someplace else, I still believe the Sabres don't want to trade them. It'll be in Buffalo. It'll be in Buffalo. They're not going to trade them. I mean, there's, well, but that, if, he, if he goes to the Pagulas or goes to Kevin Adams and says, get me the hell out of here. He's not going to do that with, with a herniated disc and getting surgery because that's that's a tough injury to, to rehab. And he so, has a connection to Buffalo, even yeah. though it sucks performing in Buffalo. He, that's, you know, when a player comes in, players are like baby ducklings sometimes. You know, they, they, do, they do imprint on their, <laughs> on their mothers, you know what I mean? They do. You've seen it, Russ. I mean, it's like you're amazed that a player like wants to stay in the city sometimes. No, true. There is, there is an imprint. Some players really imprint strongly, and he is, really has imprinted strongly on Buffalo. He wants that team. He, he's frustrated, and there comes a point at which he's going to definitely say, screw you, if they don't get better. But that's, we're not there yet. We're no, not there we're yet. not there yet. You know, and and we, it, I, I guess we should talk about – you're going to bring up the other thing, Mike, with Buffalo? Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, no. I was, well, you bring that up. Let me just continue on the season-ending uh, trend. Uh, yeah. The Dallas Stars announced uh, Alex Radulov and Ben Bishop are being shut down for the season. Uh, Radulov is going to have surgery. But they're basically saying Bishop is continuing his recovery. Again, I'll be surprised if Ben Bishop ever plays again. Um, but, you know, they're, it sounds like they're holding out hope that he's going to come back at some point. But uh, – you know that I, I mean, I'm sure that Jim Nill probably knew this before the deadline, and maybe that's the reason why they didn't make any kind of moves in terms of dumping dumping guys like Alexiak and other players. Um, but then maybe they think they still have a chance to sneak into the playoffs. But right. uh, you're you're probably going to see a lot of teams with players are um, facing offseason surgeries, yeah. shutting these players down earlier than normal because. Right now, we're, we're we're right where the playoffs would normally start, and the playoffs aren't starting for another month yet. So uh, these teams may shut these players down with time to go in the regular season to get them uh, into the operating room and then get get them uh, back on the ice as soon as possible. Yeah, I think I think I think that makes a ton of sense. It really does. Um, now, what was the other thing about Buffalo, Russ? You're muted. I'll talk about last night. Let's talk about last night's game a little bit, maybe. Russ, you're muted. You're muted, Russ. Russ. You're muted. Oh, oh okay. Sorry, yeah, no. they, they brought in Jason Carmanos um, as an oh, associate yeah. general manager. I looked. I, you know, as a listing, or if you ask Siri, I can't find another one. So I think it, this is a case of a made-up position. And I think as an associate general manager, he probably doesn't have to do anything with the cap, where all the assistant general managers in this league work with the cap. <laughs> there is another general manager. Uh, uh, who? Chris Drury's associate general manager. Ah, okay, so when Drury got bumped also, up, he got bumped up to that. Also, this was that was Ito's position in Columbus. Yes. Okay. So that was so. There's a few. There's a few. Yeah. It's and, a new, I think Zito was the first one I had heard of given that term. Okay, so yeah. Zito was the first. I know there's not many, if any, left. It's brand new. Thing. It's definitely a new thing. And so again, this isn't what Kevin wanted or what anybody else wanted. Bringing in like a guy like Rutherford. This is bringing in a guy that is sort of like a pre. Thinks like they do. Let's say it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's weird because uh, Kevin Allen uh, and Tom Laidlaw invited me on their uh, the uh, the uh, Laidlaw Allen report this morning, and we were talking about the Sabers, and there is something with a connection between the Sabers and Terry Pagula and the Pittsburgh Penguins. You got to remember Ted Black, 
I think Craig Patrick had something to do with the Sabres uh, back a few years ago when they, when they uh, brought Ted Black in. Uh, 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 Jason Bottrell was an assistant GM in Pittsburgh, and now and now Jason Carmanos. It's like I, I think that you have to look around the league a little more than just Western Pennsylvania. Well, Carmanos <laughs> and Carmanos and Adams worked together in Carolina, and so yes, they did. But again. I don't think this is what the Sabres need. They needed to bring in someone with fresh eyes, not someone who has familiarity with people in that front office because yeah. it's harder to do a a tough job if you know the people. It is. To go in there and be cutthroat, it's hard this, to do that. And this is more evidence than what we talked about yesterday where the Pagulas have a certain st a managerial structure that they are willing to accept and – I would say that Carmanos is working for Adams, but Adams is working for the Pagulas. I mean, that's the that's right. the power. There's no buffer. If you brought in Jim Rutherford to be a VP of hockey operations or a vice, you know, whatever, um, uh, um, you know, uh, he would be in between Adams and the Pagulas. Right. The Pagulas want no buffer between them and the general manager. Right. Now, if you guys want to talk about the game, go ahead. I didn't watch that game. Uh, I just know how it ended up, and, you know. The only thing no, I saw, I saw, about, I saw about five minutes of the game in overtime, and the only other thing that I saw was, Ke was Kevin Miller beating the crap out of Tage Thompson. Right. Which you wouldn't it think was, is possible because Thompson is much bigger, but it is possible. I watched it, and I really, I really was impressed. I mean, Buffalo really – Gave it all. I mean, there was it was it was a it's going to be a hell of a last five games with these teams. You know, like these if that if, if that continues. I mean, it's, it, it's it's worth watching. I mean, the Sabers took the lead. You know, then the Bruins took the lead, and the Sabers tied it late and got back. You know, got back into it. It was. Know, it was do a you game. think that's going to happen if the Bruins get to full strength? I don't. Um, no, I wouldn't. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen if the Bruins get to full strength. But you know, I I do think that there's a, there's a lot of emotion going through, on through that Buffalo room. Um, Obviously, players playing for their careers in the, in the next year. You know, some of those guys might not be back at all. And that's happening. You know, Granado's got them calm, and he has them, he has them playing in the right way. So, I, it's, it, to me, it's, it's a fun team to watch. And that's a scary – like I said, Boston's not going to win all six of those games. And last night, they almost didn't win the first one. Yeah. You know, so that, to me, is still uh -huh. an issue. I mean, Boston's going to get healthier, yes. Uh, Hall had a couple shots. You know, he had, like, three shots on goal. He almost scored in overtime to win it. That would have been, you know – a nice little thing for the Bruins to like. So is this, this is, is this what we're going to do with Taylor Hall now? If he gets a shot on net, we're going to report on it. Can we just, no, report, about, can we just report about points that he gets? He is there no. to produce points. If he doesn't produce points, I don't really care what he does. Like, honestly, I don't. Like, he is there that. to actually get points on the board. That's what he gets paid for. Of course. No, and it, I'm not getting at you. I'm just saying I have a feeling this is what we're going to hear, though. I think you're no, right. I think for me, for me, at least from my perspective, why I'm saying it at all is because, you know, this is the this is the day after he got traded from one team to the other. You know, I mean, this is the first game. I mean, in his first game as a Bruin, you're definitely going to look and see how he did. You know, we're number 70, and, and he was he was like, it's okay. He didn't look great. I mean, he, he's still, he's still yeah. a player. Confidence is shot, you can tell. He, he didn't score, but he really tried. He really tried. By the way, that, that podcast um, with Mike – and Tom Laidlaw and Kevin Allen is is available now on our. We actually have the. We actually post the Laidlaw and Allen report now on Hockey Buzz. So there you, in, go. So yeah. you can watch that. You can watch that podcast down below. If you're not, if you're not already not sick of seeing my face. If you want, if you wonder what Mike looks like on a podcast, you can check it out there. Uh, so, so, Ak, and this may be the last time I do it this year. 
because uh, contrary to what the uh, chat room says, I'm not obligated to watch all Flyers games, but I wanted to watch this one to see how Mantha did and to see how the Flyers would do. I, and, I have to admit I didn't watch this game, but go ahead. continue. That's fine. So, so basically, if you wanted to watch a bunch of guys play with no heart, then that's exactly what you saw out of Philly. Uh, Mantha looked great for the Capitals, no question about it. When he... If you watch the goal he scored, you will see why I said he has one of the best wrist shots in the league because it just it almost goes through the back of the net. It has that much force. Yeah. And so if they do get him involved in the offense, this is a hell of a pickup for them. The the issue with me for Philly is listening to the post game. I actually agree with Elaine Vigneault. Like one of the questions he was asked was, uh, you know, how do you feel the guys took it from the trade deadline? And he's like, I don't know. I'm not a mind reader. Like. Yeah. And basically, you know, he thought before the game, he thought they still might be a playoff team after the game. He you could tell he was just totally disgusted. And honestly, it's not Vigneault's job to try and figure out what's in their head. It's his job to give them the game plan and have them carry it out. Now the question has to be, why aren't they carrying it out? Like Kevin Hayes has one shot on goal. He hasn't scored him forever. They're yeah. trying to bring up young guys, right? They they went and um they're going to bring up Wade Allison at some point. That's fine. They signed Jackson Cates, the older brother of Noah Cates, who I really like. He played second-line center for, for UMass. I've seen him in a couple frozen fours. He's a pretty good player. Like He's a yeah, decent he bottom six player. They're going to bring him up. Noah will eventually get signed. He's probably got a lot of bonuses. They have to figure out which schedule to pay him, and they'll do that. But when you're bringing these guys up, right, and you're giving him – and Tanner Lasinski looks as good as I thought he would look. He's playing hard in the corners. He's making nice passes. He's not always going to score points for them because he's he's a new player. But that's the thing, Eck. When you're a new player there and you're trying to break in with the old core, it's hard. And I wonder now for the next, you know, whatever is 15 games left, it's not even about are they going to make the playoffs. It's more about are they even going to try and train these young kids? That's yeah. the issue. No, the issue is definitely – I mean, I, I watched the highlights. Of it. I watched the condensed game of it and all that stuff. But, yeah, they, to me, there was this is a – it looks like a team that like has been dying for help and never got any. You know, right, like, and this is what I said to Mike. So it looked like a trade deadline team that was like okay, three you know, weeks ago. Three yeah. weeks ago yeah. is when Chuck Fletcher should have overpaid. Even if, and I told Mike, even if he went and picked up Yanni Hockenpah, that would have helped them tremendously because it would have given them a guy who is physical on the blue line and can skate a little bit. And that would have been better than playing Sam Moran. That would have been better than playing what they were playing and watching the season slip away. Mm -hmm. People keep giving Fletcher a pass because they're like, well, you know, he had to see what kind of team they had. No, no. There was a moment where they were in the playoffs and we all saw them falling yeah. off the ledge. Yeah. And whether he tried or not, he obviously didn't try hard enough because he didn't get the job done. Now, I a deal like Russ is talking about yeah. may have been available three weeks ago, a, a minor deal for a, for a hawk and paw, but a deal to get somebody to play on the top pairing with Provorov, that had to be done before the season started. And the issue that they have is like Fletcher is definitely, I'm going to say in a weird way with Comcast, he's playing it safe. He is playing it safe. No, you're right. Well, from a hockey fan's perspective, you know, and from an old Ed Snyder perspective, he's, this this is death. Like if Snyder's around, there's just no way that that this that this is that he's still the GM of the team right now. And there's no way that I mean, Flank, I mean, our Flyers fans need to know that. Like, I mean, it's getting. I guess it's getting up now that he's been. You know, Snyder's passed away like five years ago or so, and right, and uh, and you know, it's been maybe five years before that, but before when we had real Ed Snyder, because Ed Snyder was pretty sick towards the end too. But 
on it, I lived through Real Ed Snyder and like, and that, that was what, why I fell in love with the Flyers team, you know, like that, that team that just, they just did whatever they could, they had to. I mean, sometimes they made mistakes doing it. I'm not saying they didn't, but they, they went for it. You know, they, I mean, they, you know, Briz Gala was obviously a mistake that's brought up all the time for sure. But, you know, they, but there were other times when they, you know, they went out there, they got Forsberg, they got Ronick, they did bold things and they didn't, they didn't sit around and wait. Um, this sitting around and waiting thing is more of a Comcast uh, mentality, honestly. That that is, you know, anybody who's had anybody who's had to sit around and wait for a kid to show up, no, that's true. But it's like in general, you know, they do. They, by not doing anything, Fletcher can blame everything else. See, and that that's and true. that's what I don't like about the not doing anything thing. You can sit there and say, well, it's COVID. It was a weird year. You know, I didn't make I didn't want to make any moves because I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what kind of money we were making. I didn't know. What, there, there's so many things, you know. By not doing anything, it's well, it just fly. Well, I mean, the Brizgolov example is is perfect for this 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 discussion. Okay, Ed Snyder was the one who signed off on Brizgolov, and Holmgren was the one who made the signing. They did the wrong thing, mm -hmm. but that was acceptable. At least you tried something. They got out of it by the compliance buyout. Yeah. You know, but in this instance, I think Fletcher risks his job more if he goes out and does the wrong thing rather than doing nothing right now he can say okay i'll do something in the off season and i listened to the elliot friedman and uh, and jeff merrick on the 31 thoughts podcast and basically what he said was um that fletcher was essentially doing his due diligence for the off season in terms of feeling out other opportunities yeah. out there now russ i agree if they wanted to make the playoffs right now that he, that that was not the way to approach it but well, they, the only reason i'm saying that is because they did because that's what dave scott said he wanted to be aggressive at the deadline he clearly wanted to make the playoffs. He didn't even get close to what he wanted. Yeah, well, it, 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 if Scott sticks by his word on that or whatever, then Fletcher's gone. But it, it, you know, and maybe not now, but at the end of the season, right? So and that might have been just for public consumption. Oh, we're going to go out and do, we're going to do this, and we're going to oh, do sure. that. Like, you're absolutely right. I mean, it could have been. I mean, Comcast doesn't. That's the difference between the Flyers now and the Flyers of before. Like before, you knew what they were doing. You, you didn't. You might not agree with it, but you knew what they were doing. You knew why they were doing it. They were clear. Ed was Ed, and all the GMs were, you know, I mean, and if the GM wasn't Ed, would come right out and say it. He, he, he pissed a lot of the GMs off because he would say exactly what they were doing. But you know, he just this is this is unex, inexcusable for um for this for this organization. And I, I'm gonna give he, you one more thing, Eck. Yeah. Was the Flyers taxi squad as good as other teams? I'm gonna contend it wasn't, and I'll give you an example, like Nate Prosser. What did Nate Prosser ever really do other than score one goal in one game, which I think is his only NHL goal? There are teams like Montreal, right? They were bringing yeah. Corey Perry up from the taxi squad. Right. Like they were bringing up useful players. It, it's all independent how you look at the taxi squad, right? Like, so a lot of teams, teams I think that played the taxi squad right and played the taxi squad for how I feel it was intended, which is a group of players that were there because we had to play so many games in so few nights and that you could pull people up and, you know, you could get people rested and things like that. Yes. And you can. That happened. That's what Montreal's done very clearly with their taxi squad. There um, were very yeah. few teams that did that act. They're, I know they are. They they essentially, that's, they, the that's the extreme. Montreal's the extreme on one end. They essentially, they essentially uh, adopted a twenty-eight man roster right. perspective, which nobody, not even Toronto, has done. I mean, they, right. you know, Toronto has done basically. Uh, you has used the taxi squad to to hide and bury salary. Right, right, and I think that they, um, you know. The only chance that that Fletcher has of saving his job is to bring in guys now like Cam York to just play, show the fans that there's something for the future, and see what's going to happen. Now, I don't think that's necessarily the best thing for Cam York or other guys along the line. No, and but, that's what they're going to do, though. 
And I think they're, if they do that, then you know that that's a, that's a, that's a job saving tactic in my mind. Well, but, uh, but, but he's going to, here's the thing. So everybody's saying he's tasked now this summer to make that big trade, right? He was tasked to make that big trade last summer and didn't do it last off they, season. What you're saying, Russ, and we'll get off the flyers because I know that people want to do, but I, at the same time, this is this is kind of important and, and something that Russ and I have a lot of insight into, so it's worth talking about. Um, when you're tasked by Comcast to make a big trade, you don't make small trades. And to me, that, to, that that's the issue, right? So to me, he's sitting back and he's saying, okay, because they, they Ekholm was almost too small. Like they went for Ellis. Um, they, they looked at it that way and they sit, they sat back and then, and then, you know, then you heard what I reported, which I know a hundred percent because I know somebody within the organization very closely that he kept saying, well, we're not going to, we're not going to give all that for Alice because we got a shot, you know, at, 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 at a bigger guy, you know, like at a bigger defenseman. And, and you just, you can't, you can't put all your eggs in those kind of baskets. I mean, it's just not that you, and you can, you can't just look at trades as either you're going to get a top, a top pairing defenseman in a trade. You're really, it's so hard to do that. It's almost impossible. And, and. There are none out there. I mean, th there are exactly enough top two defensemen probably for the league. I have no, a scenario for you, Acto. I gave this scenario to Mike. It's probably not realistic, but I gave it because I don't even think this cures the Flyers at this point. But let's just say in the offseason, the Flyers are able to trade Voracek for Dumba and make the money close, whatever. You retain this. I'll give you that, whatever, right? So now they've got their top four defensemen, and they lost Jake Voracek, which, again, he was underachieving for this team. Maybe he needs a change. But – now you have to make up Jake Voracek's points. Yeah. How are you doing that? Right. Uh, you know, and, and people so complain they, about it. proves that it's more than just the one position. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is a multifaceted problem now. People complain about Voracek and he's on, among their top scorers, you know, and, 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 and he, because he does make a lot of dumb plays too, but it's just sure. like, you know, there's no question. He's really, he's a defensive liability to the up, to the up up team's extreme, you know, he's a definition of a four one. But how many defensive forwards are you going to bring in as an example? Like, Everybody needs to be like Scott Lawton, and they're not. I, yeah. I pointed out the power play. Giroux and Voracek are not doing well on the power play at all. Kevin Hayes hasn't done anything in two weeks. Like, there's more to do here than just that. Now, will yeah. it fall on Vigneault and they fire Vigneault? Maybe, but I wouldn't do it because I don't think Vigneault's done anything other than maybe mishandle Carter Hart at that one point in the season. But other than that, he's tried everything. Um, I will say this, and this is the last thing we'll say about Vigneault. I, I, the one thing, the thing that's really gotten to me is the more I've, the more I've dug into it, the more I don't think that the concept of man, of being a coaching slash more of a manager, manager of your assistant coaches than a head coach yourself is the right thing for a team like this. Like, I think this team needs more of a lobby type personality. Who's going to actually be the guy who, who takes the responsibility because this, because the biggest thing this, this team does not do is take responsibility for itself. These players do not take responsibility, and they have a coach who's actually not taking responsibility either because he's passing it off on his assistants. And and that you know, and saying you know, and, and I think that when you have that whole culture of not taking responsibility, like you know, that bothers me. And that, I think that's that's what I'll say. We move on, Mike. Go ahead. Um, we had some, we have some breaking news here. Um, the uh, Chris Johnston is reporting that the Toronto Marlies, the AHL affiliate of the Maple Leafs are being shut down through next Wednesday because of a COVID wow. situation. Now, the, the reason that's that's um, important is because the Marlies and the Leafs practice in the same practice facility. Like one – one now, they obviously, they're playing in separate buildings, uh, the Coca-Cola Coliseum or um, – uh, yeah, it used, it used to be the Rico Coliseum. Uh, and, and obviously – Rico Coliseum is such a good building. So cool. Yeah, and, Sco and Scotiabank Arena for the Leafs. But yeah. they practice. 
practice, they practice at the Ford Performance Center in Etobicoke, which they're right like in, right next to each other in terms of the uh, the the ice surfaces. So um, it's, I mean, now thankfully the Leafs had they have their taxi squad and the ta all the taxi squad players and the the the, the Leaf players uh, on their roster they practice separately. So last night I know that they uh, they played a couple players that they normally haven't played during the year, and that might have you know that might be the the case where you know they're not going to be able to call up anybody from the Marlies because they're they're sort of shut down uh, right now. So. Um, I mean this, and William Nylander was has been out for a week because he was uh, uh, apparently in the same in the presence of somebody who was a presumptive positive that he's tested negative. So, um, I mean, right now COVID is blowing up in Ontario. Like it, it's going oh, yeah. up. It went. It went gone. It's gone from the west to east. It's double. Yeah, and I think that that should we should talk about the um, De Greca thing that you heard. Yeah, Don Greca had said a friend of mine texted me. Don's a um, Actually, a softball teammate of mine, one year anyhow. Nice guy, and he's a Rangers. Rangers, he's a Rangers. Yeah, he's a Ranger announcer. He's out of ESPN. Every time I see him, he's like, oh, "I love hockey, but it's great to see you." He's a really big hockey person. And and basically, you said that the out of when the uh, North teams get out of the playoffs, they'll be playing in either Buffalo or Detroit. So there won't be a Buffalo. Uh, there won't be a bubble, but they'll be playing in in the U.S. And they have to at this point because the U.S. is much safer than Canada is as far as for passing around the virus. And, U.S. isn't like immune to it, but it is a lot safer, and probably by then even more safer. But but I, are they going to let Toronto fans come down to those games? Uh, no, I doubt it. No, they, I mean they, because it would take they would have to quarantine for two weeks to go back. Right, right, right. right. So, but they, I mean, hey, there are enough. There are a number of of Leaf fans in Western New York and throughout the uh, the lower forty eight who probably would travel right. to Buffalo if they could get get playoff tickets for a conference. Yeah, just go to the Anchor Bar; they're all there. Now they'll be killed. If they go there. Um, but hey, there uh, are some Leaf fans that would that would that would that would come in if they find that to absolutely be true. They come in like a week earlier and they stay for. They the might do it. Yeah, yeah. There's some, definitely some Leaf fans that'll do that. There's. Sure. I mean, I know Lee fans. There's, they're, yes. you know, they're but, nice. but, but the, the, and, and the reason for Buffalo and Detroit, I'm assuming it'll be, if it was Montreal or Toronto, Buffalo is closer geographically. And if it's Winnipeg or Edmonton, then Detroit, I'm yeah. surprised it wouldn't be Minnesota instead of Detroit, but Detroit's a brand new building. So, um, the state well, of the, the, in the playoffs too, the wilder in the playoffs. I think the idea is to have like, you know, not to have, yes. like, that's true. to not be in the playoffs. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah, it's better to have them. Better have them in the closest place to them. That's not in the playoffs. I think is what they're but, 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 but here's and I, I retweeted uh, something that Arthur Staple uh, tweeted this morning. Uh, Islanders players got most of them got the first shot of the vaccine in the last couple of days, and again, that seems to be common throughout the league. Whereas most of the most of the players who are in their in their twenties and thirties were eligible to get the vaccine because of because the the of the plentiful quantities in the U.S. Right, that still is not the case in Canada. I uh, believe right now, and somebody can straight flamester can straighten me out. I think right now in Canada it's still sixty five and over. And I heard something <clears throat> that like somebody gets the first somebody gets the first shot. It's four months until they get the second shot. That's how. That's how. Uh, how much of a, uh, a a crunch there is in Canada right now regarding the vaccine? I, I'm sorry if I'm Gary Bettman. I'm shipping the vaccine to the Canadian teams. 
It's a tough call. I, I, we talked about this yesterday with Kevin, and then I got a call from the NHL afterwards from like a really anonymous guy who wanted to talk to me about the vaccine thing. Um, and I, so I did have a little bit about, about this. Um, he didn't tell, he wouldn't, he wouldn't address Canada because I asked the same question. I said, you know, this is a U.S. company. We talked about this on the show yesterday. I said, this is a, you know, these guys get paid in U.S. dollars. <clears throat> That's one thing that makes me a U.S. company. You know, I was trying to think of, you know, and they, right. they, they but they're yeah, incorporated in New York. They're incorporated in New York. Right. Every team is. So, I mean, this situation is, you know, really interesting. Um, but he did tell me that he expects all of the U.S. hockey teams to be to be vaccinated at, for their first shot by the end of this week, for sure. Sure. But I, I, you know what else I could tell you? Most of the Marty are. He said, he said about two-thirds of the Marty were. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we saw the Rangers. Some of them were public about it. What yeah, we could sure. see, though, is when those teams come out of the North – they might get vaccinated before they even start playing. Yeah, but then yeah, they but could. then because they'd be in the U.S. at that point. But Russ, then the problem is, is that the, you know, and as we've seen with the Moderna or the Pfizer or even the Johnson and Johnson, everybody is having uh, symptoms afterward, and you're going to go into a playoff scenario where you get the first shot or the second shot of the vaccine, and you're having symptoms while you're in a playoff race. It's better to do it now because yeah, no, I'm not saying it's not better. But I'm saying if there's a, you know, if they have one or two days before the playoffs start and, and everybody crosses the border and goes to an American city, I could see it happening. Yeah, David in our in our chat says 55 right now for the age and in hotspots, eight. To, now, okay, I mean, I don't know if Toronto is considered a hotspot. I would assume it is because the, be. rates have, the rates have exploded from around 13 or 1,400 a day to over 4,000. Yeah, and British Columbia is in bad shape right now, too. So. Yeah way worse even than that so yeah that, that I, I really hope i really i really think feel for all, all of you up in canada who watch the show i hope, I hope you know like i said yeah, i said my blog today, today. i said in my blog today you know you guys were amazing if it wasn't for you we wouldn't have had a playoffs last year you know the way you guys handled the, the early pandemic and everything like that and uh it sucks that our country and this is my opinion <laughs> and other people don't agree with me i'm sure but it sucks that our country isn't helping you out more i've at this point with the vaccines that's how i feel about it um and i know not everybody agrees with that but i really think that you know, you're such a good neighbor, so important. And I know hockey fans definitely. I mean, we were talking about uh, talking to somebody about the Northern League and how cool it is. It's the, for the Canadian teams to play each other. It really has bothered me that I'm not that I'm not seeing any Canadian teams this year down here. Like it really does because I uh, those Canadian teams sure, have such there's such a thing to them. You know, they always have like they there's I mean all of them. You know, but especially like the the big ones like Montreal and Toronto and Edmonton. For me, like they just have such a you know. A, a couche, whatever you want to wear, not couche, but just a, a big thing for me down here, just the best way I can say it, which is not very good. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. I think that it's a shame. So I really hope everything gets better in Canada soon. I really do. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, yeah, you know you know how much it's uh, upset me that uh, that you know, the border has been shut, and I understand yeah. the reasons why. But, you know, if we get the vaccine to people in Canada quicker, then we can open the borders quicker. That's my that's my my uh, philosophy. The, thing, the only thing I'll say, Mike, is I don't think the border is going to be open all summer because I'm hearing it's not going to be until August until a lot of people start getting it. Yeah. And so we're lucky if the border gets open for next hockey season. I know we keep talking about this like it's going to end, and yeah. it may not. Yeah. We'll, we'll let's hope so. But it will, uh, it will eventually, but it might not. Oh, eventually, it will. It might uh, not by the of hockey season. I all thought we kind of we all kind of all felt like that would definitely be the case. But I agree with you as far as the northern parts of it at least you know 
It's yeah, going well, to hang on. It's going to hang on for a while. Let me, let me let me just mention quickly. Uh, David Riddich played last night his first game for the Leafs against the Flames, which was a little weird for him. He was still <laughs> he was still wearing his red uh, pads and red glove, and had uh, he traveled in the team plane. I thought that was awesome. Well, yeah, they were they, they were on their way to Toronto on deck. Yeah, yeah. So you know, they parachute off the plane halfway. Oh, well, I mean, imagine that must have been just a great time. Like, I, yeah. if I'm a goalie, that would be like that would be so much fun to suddenly because when when you play with your team all the time, if actually your team, you always want to play against them. You never get a chance well, to. Apparently, they were razzing him on the plane, and and uh, and, and uh, Matthew Kachuk made him feel welcome as a member of the opposition by spraying him with snow uh, in in the first period. <laughs> well, um, he did. He did play. One really thing well. I want to mention, quick, Mike, and then I'll let you get into the game. Um, in the old days, there were many times that rival teams, like the Rangers and Flyers, would be on the same team, but on the same plane, but they hated each other. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. And awesome. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure they had a kind of a couple security guards keeping the sections separated they because they probably want to kill each other. Um, just, just one thing, because uh, the Flames won three to two. You know, Riddick played well, but here's something to to monitor for for the Leafs. I think they're two for their last 38 on the power play. They've scored two power play goals in a month. And this is a team that was at 40% in terms of percentage for their power play uh, at the beginning of the season. And it wasn't like the first 10 games. It was like, you know, a quarter of the year they were at, they're operating at that pace. Teams have adjusted, you know, they've adjusted their, their tactics uh, to play against the Leafs power play. The Leafs have not adjusted. And if their power play continues at that pace, it's going to be troublesome from the, for them in the play in the playoffs. Yeah, big time. Big time troublesome. I totally agree. Mike, uh, who, who's in charge of the power play coach-wise? Manny Malhotra. And he's a first-year guy, right? Well, he was in charge of the power play in Vancouver. so he No, had, no, but first year for them. First year yeah. for them, yes. So if they have trouble with the power play in the playoffs, Manny could be in trouble, right? I don't think so. I think you don't think so. You think they no. they would overlook that? No, I think they, he's done he's done a really good job working with the forwards and working on faceoffs okay. and things of that nature. He's well liked. I don't I don't think he's. I hope that's the case. I like Manny, but I just yeah. at some point they're going to look for a fall guy if this continues, though. Yeah, if it was Dave Haxtell, he'd be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Six. Someone pointed out to me the Oilers don't play for a week, which is really interesting. You know, like that is, that that is interesting. a bizarre thing. Like you know, they they played on Saturday, they don't play again until Saturday. Um, they might play Vancouver on Friday. That would be six days, but still, that's still up in the air. Well, th th this is the thing that's interesting. So Vancouver is opening up their practice facility on, on Friday. Friday. That's for the for the for, for the first time. Okay, and I'm looking at Toronto's schedule, and they're scheduled to play Vancouver the middle of next week. It's, uh, it's oh no, excuse me, Saturday, Saturday and Monday in Vancouver. Right. You don't see those games being played. Well, I think they're going to have to. Based on what they're doing, I think they're going to have to. They have to figure out if they can. I mean, twenty-four hours after you've been well, they, but the Oilers that that day, you know, like that that game's still on the NHL schedule when you look at it. Friday. More breaking news. Go ahead. Um, today at the uh, training facility of the Seattle Kraken, they are pouring the uh, ice slabs. Wow, there you go. There you go. They should do what they did in Minnesota. I really love that. You bring out, bring out, you grab a grab a glass full of your of the of the pond that you grew up skating on and dump it into there. I like that. Or I really think they should have consulted you, considering the job you've done in your backyard to. Oh yeah, to, for sure. To monitor this, but they didn't do it. You, if you consult me, you not only get a rink, you get like a, you get like a fox and mole habitat as well out of it. <laughs> it's pretty like I mean the whole thing is just beyond just a just beyond just a rink. It's a full twenty. It's it's 12, 12 months a year fun for the family. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wisconsin. All right, we got to go. Um, uh, remember, folks, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you again tomorrow. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.